Knowing what you believe and why you believe it lies at the very heart of Christian experience, worship, and everyday living. The Bible's not about you. You're not David. Trouble in life is not Goliath. Jesus is going to be David in the shadow. Goliath is going to be sin and death. Who's that make you? Uh, and it doesn't make you the Israelites in the corner. Like, He's going to kill all of us. That's exactly who you are. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I, with body and soul, life and in death, am not my own, but belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. The gospel is that God the Son freely agreed to die our death for us, to suffer our deserved condemnation and doom in our place. And he didn't just agree from eternity to do it, he actually did it. It is fatal, fatal for us to think that we can ever move on from the gospel. The great problem in the evangelical church today where the scripture is concerned is not the inerrancy of the Bible. The great problem in the evangelical church today is the sufficiency of scripture. We don't think it's sufficient to do what we have to do. So we have to wake up what's happening and recognize that the problem really is our lack of theology. Hi and welcome to Theology Gals. I'm Colleen and Angela's my co-host and today we have a super, super special guest. I am so excited and Darby Stouffer. For those of you who do not know Darby, I know a lot of the gals in our group will know Darby, but Darby is the granddaughter of R.C. Sproul. And I'm sure everyone in our audience knows who R.C. was. So, Darby, just before we kind of grill you on what it was like to be his granddaughter and and that, can you share just a little bit about you? Yes, I'd be happy to. Uh, first of all, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm super excited. I've been looking forward to it um, ever since we started chatting about it and um, really excited that it's finally happening. So, um, I'm Darby, as you said. Um, I am 25. I live in Middle Tennessee um, in a very, very small town about an hour west of Nashville. And I'm married to Chris, and he's pretty great, I think. Um, and then we have two little boys. Um, Michael is four, and Gideon is two. So that's kind of the very cliff note version of who I am. <laughs> Well, we're super glad to have you with us, Darby. Um, I know we have talked about um, talking with you on the show um, for quite some time and kicked around some ideas. And so for our listeners, our topic today is um, sort of about celebrity pastors. And um, we're going to get Darby's unique perspective on what it's like to be in a family with a celebrity pastor and just her insights on... um, that celebrity pastor culture. So I'd love to start just by asking you in general, what was it like growing up with RC? <laughs> I get that is, I, I'm very, very used to that question. I've, I've gotten it uh, all kinds of places from all kinds of people. And my sort of short and, and a little bit, you know, sarcastic answer is I don't really know what it's not like. <laughs> <laughs> That's, good. That's a great answer. It's my life, you know. I've I've not really experienced uh, anything else, but um, I do obviously understand that it's it's quite special. It's different, um, you know. It's not something that that everyone experiences. Um, I will say that um, one of the things, probably the second question I get asked is, so do you just sit around the table and and just talk about theology all the time? And I say, well, I, I hate to disappoint you, but but no. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, of course, it, it came up. Obviously, it's a, a huge part of his life and of our lives. But um, it's also kind of when we were together, spending time together, it was more family time and, and downtime. So mm-hmm. spent a lot more time talking about um, his interests, other interests and passions. And we talked a lot about sports and um, he would quiz us kids on trivia of all, all subjects. And, um, you know, he just loved to have fun. He was, he was a really fun, jovial person, always cracking jokes and no one, no one was safe from his, his quick wit, um, whether you were a very small <laughs> child or, or an adult. So, 
when my kids were growing up, um, your grandpa started publishing those children's books. And mm -hmm. so I remember in, it was one of the first couple ones where it was the grandpa reading the story to his grandchildren, Campbell and Darby. So every time I see you, I think of, <laughs> I think of that, that book that I used to read to my children. And we had it on CD too with your grandfather reading it. And oh, that's great. Some of my, I had, so my, my, my most strange, I've, I've had some, some very strange encounters over the years with, with some people that, that are just, you know, a little, they're, they're a little overly excited about, about the Sproul family. And <laughs> one of the, one of the funniest ones was I was at a conference. I was probably 17 or 18. So I didn't need any help with having a big head. I already had a big head and, um, <laughs> I'm, you know, running around at this Ligonier conference, you know, just doing my thing as I normally did. And this mother comes up to me with her son and she says, are you Darby? I said, yes. And she said, my son wants you to sign this book. <laughs> wow. Wow. The book, the book you were just, you just mentioned the, the priest with dirty clothes. Right. And, He's just standing That's there and he so looks terrified. Funny. I don't know if he was terrified just because I was, you know, a stranger or if I, because I was the girl from the book or what, but he was so cute. And I just looked at her and I was like, okay, like, uh, sure. You know And I mean? She was very sweet and he was very sweet, but it was, it was extremely unusual experience to have, you know, <laughs> a stranger come up to you like that. So. Yeah. I, I actually told my, my son, um, my youngest son, he's 16. And I told him before we, we recorded. I said, you know, you know the priest with dirty clothes, with um, where it talks about Campbell and Darby. Yeah, I'm talking to Darby tonight. <laughs> like she's a real person. <laughs> yeah, I plan on telling my kids tomorrow. They they love your grandfather's books. Um, my son especially. The Lightlings is his favorite. He loves. Oh, that's a really that's a really he good one. He draws Lightlings all the time. It's Aww. it's very very sweet. Um, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I have to say, I'm, I'm glad you're not interviewing my brother with me because my brother loves to, to joke about that book and say, you know, the, the whole story in the book is that Darby is the, the instigator and the mischief maker and Campbell just <laughs> toddles along behind her. And he says, that's real life. That was, that was, he didn't have to get a lot of inspiration for that. That's just how it was. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't uh, argue with that. It's, it's very true. So. <laughs> I'm wondering a little, um, uh, this is a little bit like, you know, when you're a kid and you uh, are in the grocery store with your mom and suddenly you see your first grade teacher there and it's a little bit like your mind is blown. Wait, you eat food? <laughs> right? You have a, a, an actual normal life? Yeah. This is Ah, so I, I heard you say that you guys talked about sports and I kind of want to back up and ask you what kind of sports uh, is your family into? Oh my goodness. Well, um, my, my grandpa particularly was very, very, very into the Pittsburgh Steelers. So okay. NFL, okay. Um, he had, he, he per himself was um, a very, very talented golfer. Um, so he played that and he was, he was very athletic for a number of years in a lot of different areas, but, um, awesome. yes, in his, when I remember him, he was, that, that was, that was the big focus and he had, so I, he never had, um, a computer ever. He literally did not ever own a computer at any point in his life. Or maybe, <laughs> maybe he did, but he never, you know, maybe someone gave him a at some point, <laughs> hoping he would use it, but he never actually cracked it open. <laughs> so, That's awesome. But, so what would happen would be his assistant every day, one of her jobs was to go and find all the like blogs and, and websites that are talking about the Steelers and literally print off the articles. <laughs> This is yeah, amazing. He's, he's, I love it. <laughs> so, and I, he did get an iPhone at some point. So he may have that, that may have changed once he got the iPhone and could sort of browse himself. But I know for a while <laughs> he, was, he was getting it all on a hard copy. <laughs> yeah, I think that the only thing my dad uses his iPhone for is to keep up with his sports team. So, mm -hmm. have you have you heard the story about Alice Cooper and? Um, I know. Yes. I know something about that. They've, that they've met or that they've. Maybe right. But it was actually, he was first 
if I'm remembering correctly, he was first introduced to your grandfather through some golf videos mm-hmm. or something like that. So, cause he was a golfer too. Is if looking back, cause now your grandfather's been gone for a little while. Do you think back and think of something that you really learned from him? Um, that's a good question. I would say I, I, well, so I'll, I'll give you a couple answers. I'll give you the first and this, this will probably sound corny, but it's, it's my life and it's true. I remember one my one of my earliest memories of him was sitting at the table and they had this this is funny they had like a cross stitch or a plate or something something crazy that you would not think would would have this on it but they had something in their in their dining room that said on it simul eustis et peccator which is you know the famous line of at the same time just and sinner um which is a huge you know point of our theology and I saw it at a young age and said, you know, how can that be? How can you be, how can you be just and just and sinner or justified and sinner or this and that? And he really sat down and explained to me, you know, the history behind that saying and why it made sense and, you know, did his typical thing that he normally does with, with older people, but he, he was very good at explaining it to a small child too. So, um, so that's a really strong memory that stands out for me. And then just on a, on a more personal sort of, you know, not, this wasn't something that he sat down with me and, you know, instructed me in, but just watching him um, as, as a man and as someone I looked up to um, was honestly just his, his care and kindness for other people. Um, He, and that was something that was really meaningful for me to hear um, when he passed, you know, all these people were writing stories and, and, um, you know, articles on the internet and just talking about, you know, ways that he just showed them great, great thoughtfulness and kindness when he didn't have to, you know, it was, it was um, just him showing that he cared about people and he would remember people, you know, they'd come up to him and they'd be like, Oh, you probably don't remember me. And he's like, Oh no, you're, you know, your granddaughter's name is Zoe or like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> something like that. So he and my grandma both were just always very, caring about people and um, just showed a lot of kindness. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where they, they didn't have, you know, not everyone is that way um, when you're, you know, considered a big deal by some people, you, you kind of right. let that get to you and not be kind to everyone, but they always were no matter what. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't just other important people that they were kind to. They were, they mm. were sort of, it didn't matter to them if you were important or not, they were still kind to well, I know that you went through a lot growing up with the loss of your mom and your sister. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how the Lord has used suffering in your life? Absolutely. Um, so for those who may not be familiar with with my family story, um, my mom had cancer three times in, during my childhood um, between 2004 and 2011. Um, and she went to be with the Lord in 2011 at the the very end of that year. Um, and then my sister, I had a sister with, um, severe special needs. Um, and she was 15 and she died about nine months after my mom died. So that was a, that was a challenging year. Um, but really, honestly, one of, one of the things that I've, I've worked on and it's been hard for me to balance, but, but I try and I I try to encourage other people in this where I can is that it's okay to to not be okay. Mm. Um, and, and I don't, you know, and, and again, it's a balance. You don't want to just, you know, lie in your bed and never get up again and be so depressed that you can't function. (laughs) Um, but you know, I'm still sad. Um, that's, that's a huge, huge thing that's affected my life. And, um, I'll never have my mom again. And it's, it's become even more of a, a fresh wound as I've had children and she's not around to talk to or ask about things. And, you know, I'm still sad. And obviously, um, you know, the Lord is good and I've, I've learned so much, um, through the experience, but I, I worry when I hear other people experiencing, similar loss or deep grief and they feel it almost is like they feel pressure to to say well it's okay you know Jesus loves me and and God is sovereign and all things work together for good and and I'm fine (laughs) Mm, yeah you know obviously all those things are true and we can and should take comfort in those things but 
um, I think Christian culture as a whole needs to learn how to, how to grieve and how to walk alongside other people who are grieving. And, you know, it can be done um, in a deeper way without being, like I said, without, without being forever despondent or, or, you know, never trying to move on with your life. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Cause I think that's so true. Uh, I was actually just thinking about that recently, that tendency towards, you know, everything's going to be like this, almost not allowing ourselves to grieve and have sorrow mm-hmm. as Christians, you know, where we're, we're supposed to just be just only joyful all the time or, or something like that. So I appreciate it. And, and, and I think, you know, if you, if people are thinking about how to relate to other people in this regard, you know, if you're not the one grieving, I would say a big thing I've, I've observed and I appreciate is consider the relationship. Um, you know, if my husband comes in and says, okay, you've been, you haven't showered in five days and you know, things you're obviously not doing very well. Like let's talk and let me encourage you. And then, you know, let's see about, and this, this hasn't actually happened, but I'm just saying, you know, if you know, it's very different to have someone that really right. knows you and cares about you to try and encourage you through something um, in that way than for, I've, you know, I've also gotten random messages on the internet or on Facebook saying, you know, all things work together for good. It'll be okay. Like, right. <laughs> and I know those people mean well. I'm not, they I'm do. not I have a feeling someone's going to listen to this and be like, oh no, I sent her a message and said that. <laughs> But, um, you know, I, I, I take it all as, you know, everyone's just trying to help and it is hard mm-hmm. to know what to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you're trying to, to push back, maybe I would say on, on how someone's reacting to something, I would say, you know, you should probably have a close relationship with them, which yeah. is one of the follies of the internet is we think we're close when we sometimes aren't. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, exactly. Well, we are going to talk about celebrity pastors in a minute, but I can't have Darby on and not talk about Darby's dresses real quick. And I know we have listeners that are your customers, and I am a customer. And Darby has a secondhand shop, basically, um, and she has a Facebook group. We're going to link all of this in the episode notes because it's it's so great. I've ordered stuff from her. Uh, one of my very favorite sweaters. In fact, I, I wore it um, a couple days ago and thought, I wonder if this is going to be my last time wearing it this season because summer's coming. Um, I bought from Darby. And then she also has a boutique shop, uh, kind of, you know, on Facebook where, with some boutique items. Then those aren't secondhand. So tell us about Darby's dresses. Okay. Yes. I'd love to. Um, so I, there I was, um, July of 2015. So almost four years ago, I really can't believe that. Um, and I had an eight month old, uh, my son, Michael was, was very young and we were going through some pretty difficult times financially, um, some uncertainty with my husband's employment at the time. And it was, it became pretty clear um, but I was going to have to do something. <laughs> um, I needed to bring in some income at some level for us to, you know, be able to tread water at the time. Um, so I started, you know, thinking and looking at different options and, um, you know, considered a lot of different things um, and just wasn't feeling like any of them were a great fit for me or for my situation. Um I'm not against working outside the home, but at the time it just wouldn't have made sense with how young my baby was and, you know, the cost of daycare and all that. So I was like, okay, whatever I'm going to do, I have to do it for my house. And um, I don't think, you know, multi-level marketing or direct sales is a good fit for me. Um, So what am I going to do? And um, it came to be that when I had my son, this is my first baby. And before I had him, I was, you know, not the skinniest person you ever met, but I was, I was pretty slender and had a typical, you know, young person figure. And then I had my son and that was not the case anymore. (laughs) So, um, So I had all these beautiful clothes that I had bought when I was young and single and had a lot of discretionary income and none of them fit me anymore. So I put those up on just my personal Facebook page. I said, Hey, I've got all these beautiful things. You know, I hate to just donate them. You know, I think I sold them for like 10 or $15 a piece um, to my friends and I sold them really quickly. 
um, you know, I had, I had a lot of things and, and I was able to get rid of them very quickly. I made a few hundred dollars in the process and, you know, I was thought, Hmm, that was interesting. <laughs> I said, okay. So I just did that, made some money. I said, I wonder if I could do that again. And now I'm obviously out of all of my clothes, but it seems that I have, you know, it was so easy to do that. I feel like I have a pretty good eye for, for style on some level. And, um, you know, I also had, had been a big thrifter for a long time for myself. Most of, most of what I had actually was, was secondhand. Um, so I think I put up like, <laughs> this is, this is my personality. If you, if you know me, you'll know this is how I do things. I put up a post on my personal Facebook and said, Hey guys, I'm thinking about starting this business. I think I would like sell clothing and, and re- you know, go to the thrift store and then resell it. And I'm like, do you guys think that's a good idea? And I think that was on like, you know, July 26 at 6 p.m. And by July 26 at 10 p.m., I had every, you know, I had my Facebook page. I had my Instagram page. I had it all. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm doing this. <laughs> okay, it's a business now. <laughs> Let's go. So, you know, I asked some questions. I kind of, and then I, the next day I went to our, our local thrift store, which we're in a very small town. And normally when I get things, I have to go into Nashville. But in our very small town that day, they were having all of their dresses were 25 cents. So I literally walked in and spent $12 at this thrift store and got a huge stack of dresses. And that's, I went from there. So, um, ever since then, um, several times a week, you will find me on Facebook showing, uh, secondhand items that I found. Um, I do, it's grown now, you know, it's, it, it used to be, it was only, you know, my, my very particular style and what I like, but I've had to sort of move with, with the tide and, and now I don't always buy what I like. I buy what I think will sell. <laughs> so, um, but it's a lot of fun. It's really, you know, I, it's, it's morphed. I used to be doing it primarily on Instagram and now I'm, um, primarily in a Facebook group and it's really become a community. Um, we have kind of a lot of fun in there. We're, we're very silly. We make jokes. We do, post memes and, you know, I make some money on the side doing it too. So, um, and one thing you do in there, cause I've been in the group for a long time is you, uh, will offer style tips and things like that. I always like when you'll take like a shirt and a skirt and you'll take some picture from online of some stylish outfit and you'll show how you can put this together yourself. Yeah. I, yeah. Those try to, don't come naturally to me and I love those. Oh, well, good. I'm glad. Yeah. We, I try and make it, you know, uh, I've had, I've had seen some other people do similar things and, and many, many have had success. I'm not, I'm definitely not the only one who does this. Um, but I've seen some people try it and they kind of just throw their stuff up for sale and wait for people to come buy it. And I'm like, you can't, I mean, you can do that. You're welcome to try it, but that's not what worked for me. It's it's a community. You have to give back. You have to, you know, help people along the way. And so that's been a fun aspect of it for me. I'm wondering, did you come up with the name Darby's Dresses in that first few hours of getting everything set up? It's a perfect name. I think so. I think I think someone else, someone that I, so I was homeschooled. Um, you probably knew that. And uh, many of my friends were homeschooled and we kind of, you know, we grew up very, very conservative and very, um, I mean, you know, somewhat sheltered, some, some good, some bad. Um, but yeah, I think, I think I asked my friends, I said, you know, what's a good name? And someone said something like Darby's dainties. <laughs> <laughs> That's and someone else came in and said, that kind of sounds like lingerie. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds a little like underwear, but it's cute. I'm glad you have a Darby's dress. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, I mean, Darby's dresses was kind of the, the obvious, you know, that, that, that works, that uh, good, some good alliteration there. And um, so, yeah, that was a pretty, pretty quick decision. I didn't, didn't consider Darby's dainties for, for very long. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how do you navigate? I know that you are a mom to littles. Um, how do you find balancing being a business owner and a mommy? Do you balance it at all? Is it <laughs> how does this work? I'm I'm trying. Um, so I, <laughs> um, so I'll, I'll I'll rewind a little bit and just give you sort of sort of how I viewed the last few years. So 2016. For me and for my family was a really harrowing time <laughs> um, of 
just a lot of difficulty, a lot of um, personal issues, and just a lot of hardship. Um, and I was I was pregnant that year, and then 2017, um, I had my second child in January of that year, and I said, okay, this year we're just gonna recover. <laughs> we're just gonna get back to a baseline of what what is normal after after 2016. We need to find what our family's new normal is. And this, we're a young family. You know, we'd only been married a couple of years at the time, but mm-hmm. 2017, that was, that was sort of the goal was to just kind of get back mm-hmm. to normal, you know, give ourselves a lot of grace. And I feel like we did that pretty well, but then 2018, I said, okay, I'm, gra- I'm back to normal now. We're, 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 you know, we've, we've pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps. Well, Jesus has. And, um, I said, now 2018, I'm going to figure out how I'm, how I'm going to actually do my life. (laughs) (laughs) And that's really what I meant was just balancing it all. You know, I've never felt like I'm a very talented, uh, housekeeper, home manager, um, you know, all that stuff. I don't feel like comes supernaturally to me. Um, I said, okay, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get, you know, a good cleaning schedule going. I'm going to get, you know, a lot of big organization projects done and, it's now May of 2019 and I'm still doing that. So <laughs> I'll try to figure it out. But um, no, so a big thing for me, and I'm not saying this is, um, you know, prescriptive that everyone has to do this, but a big thing that has helped me is figuring out what I want or what, you know, what is best for our monthly budget for me to be able to bring in as personal income and then anything else that I can pay someone else to do and afford to do that, I do it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. people are actually kind of shocked at this point when they hear how much of the day-to-day business is actually me. Um, I'm still, I am still very active and I do work hard and do work a lot, but as far as I don't ship anything really, um, you know, we ship um, between 150 and 200 orders per week and I don't do any of that. Um, I don't photograph the clothing. I don't measure the clothing. I don't do, you know, a lot of the day-to-day stuff that I started doing. I now, um, have grown to where I pay someone else to do it. And that has been huge. Um, leaving me feeling a little, you know, a little more breathing room, a little more time. Um, and that's been great. Um, I will say that something my husband and I both struggle with because my husband also works from home. It's just, it feels like we're always, we're always on. Um, mm. there's always something that's popped up that needs our attention, um, either in work or in personal life. Um, so one thing that's helped me a little bit with that, um, is I don't know if it was that I got a new phone or if my phone just updated, but on my iPhone now I can set blocks during the day where I can't look at my phone <laughs> and I do the majority of my business off of my phone. So it helps to be like, okay, from this hour to this hour, I'm not going to touch anything. You know, those are my off hours. Um, and that's going to be just time with our family. And that's helped a lot, um, sort of balancing it. Um, but no, I don't, I don't have it all figured out at all. And it's, it's been hard, but I will say that delegating, you know, I, we could have more money in our pockets instead of delegating as much, but i much prefer less money and more peace. <laughs> Yeah, especially with having having your um, two little boys and yes, they are um, very very active and keep me very 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 busy as well. So yeah, you've probably seen a lot of times in the theology gals group where we have moms that are kind of in that situation that you were, where they need to bring in a little bit of income to help the family and are looking for something would. You know, I think sometimes when you look back at something you've done, you can kind of see things that you've learned. Is there anything that, any encouragement or advice that you would have for a young mom who's looking to start some sort of business? First of all, for um, if you're thinking of getting into multi-level marketing or direct sales, um, that is fine. And that may, you know, there are many people that, that make, um, legitimate income out of that, but it takes a lot of time and a lot of hard work. Um, there is no get rich quick from home option out there that I know of. Um, there's some, you know, I know about a lot of people now are, are doing, um, things like VIP kid and things like that. That seems great. Um, but in general, if you're starting your actual own business, um, be wary of people that promise you that you can be making, you know, thousands of dollars in two months. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. so that would be my, my first advice would be, you know, really research what you're going to do. 
um, and see if, you know, it's going to fit your needs. If you need something to work right away, um, that's something you need to be mindful of. Um, or if you're more looking at, you know, it's okay if it takes a while and you're going to build it up and that's going to be fine too, then that, that opens your door up a little bit more. Um, but I would just say really look at, at your own strengths and really look at what you have going for you um, and focus on that. I already knew that, you know, like I said, I had, I enjoyed thrifting. I felt like I had an eye for, for fashion and I had honestly a pretty large circle of, of friends and acquaintances already online. So it was, it was pretty easy to say, Hey, I'm doing this. You know, you can come along if you want and not everyone wanted to, <laughs> but um, the fact that I had a pretty large group of people to, to pull from um, definitely helped. Um, but I would say, think, you know, think outside the box. At the time when I started doing this, I didn't know of anyone else that was doing it. And now, of course, I do. I've learned a lot about, you know, there's quite an underground market of people that do this full time. Um, and but at the time, you know, I was like, can I do this? Like, is this actually a thing? Can I actually make money doing this? Um, I guess I'm going to find out. Um, so, you know, don't don't put yourself in a box. If you think something will work and you research it and it seems like it will, then try it. It doesn't matter if you're the only one doing it. I think it's time for us to talk about celebrity pastors. <laughs> um, yeah, this should be exciting. Um, well, I, we are wondering, first of all, what are some of the positive ways having access to so many sermons and resources available from different pastors has been helpful to Christians? I know that we, you know, we can all have any sermon we want really at our fingertips via the internet. And so, you know, celebrity pastors often have lots of resources available for free that we can all ask access. So what do you think about that is positive for us? Oh, yes. I mean, there definitely is a lot of positive. And especially when you look at, um, you know, the impact around the world. Um, the fact that, you mm. know, so many of these of these bigger name guys have have built ministries that allow them to, you know, spread to countries that really do not have access to any solid teaching. Um, obviously we're very blessed here in America that that's not as much of an issue for us, though it certainly can be. Um, but what a blessing that, um, people that really would have no access to, to solid reform teaching, um, do now. And obviously they have access to other bad teaching too. And that's a problem, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> impact I think is, is really special. And, and then for us, you know, it's, um, obviously there's a, there's a, a fine line where you have to, you have to be discerning and the people around you have to be discerning about what you actually need. Um, there could be a way where you're thinking, oh, well, you know, my pastor just preaches too much about the law and that really makes me uncomfortable because I have this particular sin that I just don't want to put aside. Um, so let me go find some sermons about grace and let me just listen to those and then I'll feel better. <laughs> Um, yeah. that is, that's going to be dangerous. But then on the flip side, you know, maybe there is something that you truly need or that you truly want to know more about. And that doesn't happen to be what your pastor is, is going through at that point um, at your church. But it's not a bad thing if you don't want to learn more about it or study it or to feel like you have a better grasp of a specific concept. So the fact that the library that we have of, of solid resources in these areas, I think is really wonderful. I think you've kind of had a front row seat to probably the positive and some of the negative. And what what are some of the negative things that you think maybe have resulted because of kind of, I mean, it's, it's calling, saying celebrity pastor almost sounds wrong. You know, how yeah. can a pastor <laughs> be a celebrity? But we do have this kind of celeb celebrity pastor thing going on out there and it's it's in reform circles it's in other christian circles um but what are some of the negative things and even if it's anything that you've seen personally sure yeah um so there's kind of two prongs that come immediately to my mind um the first one would be breeding discontent with your own situation your own church your own pastor um thinking man you know his his style is just not not like that other guy that I really like his podcast or his, his, you know, listening to him on the radio. Um, I wish he was more like that. And it, I mean, I've seen it. I've seen many people think that way and think, you know, I wish my pastor was more like that or more like this and not 
you know, and ignoring the fact that their pastor is a faithful man of God and is doing his best to preach the word faithfully. And that, you know, that's more than a lot of people get. So, Mm. um, so that is definitely a problem. Um, another problem can be that you don't know these people usually, um, you don't know, you know, you may, you may be hearing them speak about this particular issue and not even know that, that they're being hypocritical in what they're saying because they have this other thing going on in their lives where, you know, if it was a community of believers you were actually involved in, it would be easier for you to say, Oh, Hey, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't say that because you're actually doing this and you know, (laughs) that sort of thing. Um, So that can be, you know, thinking, thinking you can tell from afar who, who is, you know, actually a good, good person and who's not, that can be uh, a challenge. Um, but then on the flip side as well, something that really discourages me um, is discernment. And I know you guys have talked about this. I think you did a whole episode on it recently, which I quite, quite enjoyed. Um, but there's, there's two sides of, of the horse here that I think people fall off of. Um, one is um, not, you know, accepting everything, you know, oh, well, this person's on TV. So obviously what they're saying, you know, they say Jesus, the name of Jesus a lot. So obviously what they're saying is, is true. <laughs> um, and mm. they're, you know, you just take in your, you, it seems like people are more likely to take in things from people just because they have a platform. Um, and that can be good and it can be bad. Um, but there's definitely a, a lack of acknowledging. I mean, look at, you know, you look at the, the really big names, not, not so much in reform circles, but you know, in general, evangelical pseudo evangelical Christianity. Um, there's a lot of nonsense out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and right. It's sort of just, it's sort of just being taken because, you know, either it makes the listener feel good or because, um, the listener admires whoever's saying it or both. Um, but that's a problem and it's, it's, it can be discouraging. Um, then on the other side though, <laughs> you have, um, well, you know, person a is, is, you know, uh, agrees with the creeds and confessions of the reformed faith. And, you know, they've preached hundreds and hundreds of good, solid, faithful sermons over the years, and they've written books and, you know, this is great and that's great. And, but I can't really say that I like this person because on page 37 of their last book and the last paragraph, they said something that just really didn't sit right with me. And that's especially a danger because, because we have so many choices, um, you know, you can say, oh, well, you know, there's, there's, you know, 20 solid reformed teachers out there, but these three really line up with what I think. So they're my favorites and the rest, you know, they're kind of, I don't really know if they're actually solid. Um, And hopefully, you know, I'm being, you know, facetious. I don't think anyone actually does that, but it comes pretty close. There's some people that are very, very, um, hypercritical of anything they see as, as, you know, not reformed or, you know, differing with what they think is, is correct. Um, and then it, you know, and it, it's obviously fine to say, Oh, okay, well, I don't agree with that there. I don't think there's any teachers I a hundred percent agree with, and that's probably good. Um, but you can say, okay, I don't agree with that and move on without having to tell everyone else that that person's a horrible person. <laughs> You know, the other thing I've seen kind of with what you're talking about, Darby, is how sometimes people will latch on to a celebrity pastor. I mean, it's it's almost like, oh, this celebrity pastor believes in, I mean, this pastor that I love so much and agree with, um, he he holds to presuppositional apologetics. So therefore, it must be true because this pastor is just so great and or whatever it is. I'm not saying I mean, presuppositional apologetics is a good thing. And and I think classical is a good thing, too. But but I see people that almost like idolize these pastors so that they almost trust anything that they say without mm-hmm. question. Yeah, mm-hmm. they'll accept a new doctrine without really uh, studying to understand simply because famous pastor a right holds to that doctrine. Oh yeah. yes. And that's where, and that's where I think, I think it's very important that we filter all of our intake of, of this type of thing through our, our other, our other aspects of our beliefs. So, you know, does your denomination recommend this person? Yes or no. Does your pastor mm-hmm. recommend this person? Yes or no. 
does your husband recommend this person or your, you know, your family or whoever, whoever is involved with your life that you respect? Yes or no. Um, and obviously there's a, you know, potential to get very insulated there and, you know, maybe your denomination and your pastor like this guy, but that's still kind of a problem. <laughs> um, <laughs> overall, overall, I would say, you know, pay attention to what people you admire and respect um, are saying and about different teachers. And that can really help us, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be trying to period. We shouldn't be trying to formulate our thoughts on our own. Um, you know, even if we don't have people to go to, we still have the creeds and confessions. They're not going anywhere. Um, and mm. we have, um, the Bible, which obviously we can interpret with error, but, um, we have a lot of things that we can hold up what different teachers are saying and, and sort of look through different lenses to see, um, Hmm. Am I, am I just liking this because it makes me feel good or because it agrees with what I already think, or is it actually based in scripture? You know, I'm just bouncing off a little bit of this discussion about what's sort of uh, negative in Christian culture about idolizing celebrity pastors. I'm wondering on the flip side, I would imagine that it's probably a lot of pressure um, for the family of celebrity pastors to be looked at and scrutinized and um, idolized and that sort of thing. Is there anything you want to talk about with that? Yeah, so I think I've, I felt it much more keenly before I was married, and I think part of that was that I was just kind of dramatic, <laughs> <laughs> and part of it was that my last name was still Sproul, so even mm. anywhere on the internet that I would, that I would traverse, um, I, there was no escaping it, so, um, so I had a blog for a while when I was mid-teens, late teens, and I called it Dancing in a Fishbowl. <laughs> <laughs> very dramatic teenager name for a vlog, but that was how I felt. I did feel like, you know, I've got all these people watching me. They have this standard that they've, you know, set upon me, especially because we were, you know, a conservative homeschooling family. Um, and we were trying to figure out, you know, I, I was the oldest of our family. And so I was sort of blazing the trail for, you know, what are we going to do? Um, you know, are we going to do courtship? Are we going to do dating? Just sort of things like that. I felt like mm-hmm, everyone mm-hmm. watching our family walk through that, that path and sort of waiting to see what we were going to do. <laughs> it was like, Hello, yeah. this is my life yeah. here. This isn't, this isn't something to just, you know, um, look at and, and, you know, it's not a freak show. So, um, yeah. And, and there's been, you know, there's been quite a bit of negativity and, um, you know, just different opinions, but less about obviously me, me personally, but just, um, you know, hearing, reading any, um, blogs that are more motivated about the person's personal life or about their, I don't know. It just, it can just get really off topic, off, off the trail really quickly, you know, rather than analyzing mm-hmm. a, person's, a person's, you know, you can analyze a person's teaching. You can even analyze, you know, their moral character. If they're, if they're in the public ministry, obviously they should be above, as above reproach as possible. But there comes a point where you're kind of just digging for dirt just for the sake of it and right. not profitable. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just, I'm thinking about several other celebrity pastors. I'm thinking like uh, John Piper. I know his son Barnabas had some years growing up where he stepped away from the faith for a while and, and he's a solid believer now and Barnabas back is and, great I yeah, he lives and, in he lives in Nashville and I'm like I just want to like run into you and then we could talk for hours <laughs> about like our lives <laughs> yeah yeah well I mean I just think about how excruciating um that must have been as a as um yeah just something to grow up in you know I'm a pretty private person myself and so I just think about how much of a pressure cooker that must be and I I just wanted to talk about it for a minute, you know, for our listeners to think about and consider, you know, don't be so interested in the lives of family of these, you know, getting all in the details and scrutinizing, you know, this is part of, you don't know them personally. This is because you have a local body that you're supposed to be plugged into and that's who, you know, personally, and that's who your, your authority is. Yes, Absolutely. And it's hard even now, you know, there's, it's, it's almost easier now with, there's so much social media out there that it is, you know, a lot of people have chosen to sort of open up their personal life a little bit and, you know, mm-hmm. let you mm-hmm. sort of follow along if you want to. And obviously that's, that's fine. And they're welcome to do that. But then, you know, it, 
I don't want to hear lectures about my parenting, you know, my right. new aspects of my parenting from, from strangers. And I don't think any mom does. And I'm not saying that's unique to me as, mm-hmm. as who I am, but just in general, we think, we think we get a, a vote on everyone's, on everyone's business and we really don't. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. And there's some ugly, st- ugly stuff out there too. Even message boards that are discussing the private lives of some of these people and their children. And it's just, it's kind of sad. I, when you were talking, I was reminded, Darby, of sometimes on social media when someone will be discussing one of your grandfather's views and then they'll tag you, you know, <laughs> come in, Darby, and tell us all about it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I that that used to happen a lot more often, and I will just say that I have exited some parts of the internet stratosphere uh, that are more reformed than others, and I don't get that as much anymore. Now that I'm not, I'm not as many huge. I think y'all's is probably the the biggest uh, reformed Facebook group I'm in, and you're you're all women, which I think helps, and you're not overwhelmingly large either. So. Uh, I, I I appreciate not having as much of that anymore. <laughs> it's, you know, it's okay to say we're just we're just awesome. That's yeah, it's uh, the best. <laughs> you know I what? Remember, can I? I think, I think I got added to your group. I think someone added me, or maybe I asked to join. I can't remember when or how I joined, but I was like, oh, like people reformed people can be like polite and kind and like. <laughs> <laughs> and reform people yeah. with manners this is a thing that happened oh that that reminds me though i i don't know if you saw there was a thread yesterday that it was not anyone's fault and this this happens very rarely which i'm very thankful for but there was a thread yesterday where someone came in with a very innocent question about something and someone else tried to tell them immediately why their view wasn't biblical and then that person was like the second person that was saying she wasn't biblical was actually saying something that was contra confessional. <laughs> <laughs> I so, think I know exactly what you're talking about. So a bunch of, you know, a bunch of people came in and were like, Hey, like you sh- really shouldn't be doing this. And I like typed up this whole, like I'm a very blunt, sarcastic, snarky person. So I wrote up this whole comment to this person that was not very charitable, not very nice. I shouldn't have posted it either way. But as I was looking ready to type it, I thought, oh, no, I'm going to be on the podcast tomorrow. And I can't, like, I can't be mean because right before that, like, everyone will hate me and not want to listen to it. So that was my, my vanity at play. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know what? Speaking of the group, and before we get to our last question, um, can, can we just tell the story about when people were trying to figure out what names were in the intro yes, to yes, the because this is so so funny, you should tell you should tell it, Darby. Okay, well, so I've I've listened to the podcast regularly and faithfully for quite some time, and um, you know, there's some podcasts that I sort of hover over that 30 second skip button uh, whenever I can, just because there's a lot of ads or you know a lot of this. And y'all's intro is is somewhat lengthy, but I yeah, always, it is. Um, We're doing a new one, in fact, for that reason. <laughs> But, but I still enjoy it. I, always, I don't ever skip it. I always listen to it. And I've been listening to it. And maybe like, I want to say about six months ago, it was a while ago, I sent my mother-in-law a clip of, of me listening to the intro. Like I, I screen recorded my phone or something crazy. And I said, you listen to this, to this last part. I said, who is that? And she said, well, of course, it's your grandfather. Of course, it's RC talking. Like, how could, and I'm like, are you sure? I said, it sounds a little bit off. Like, I don't, it, it's something sounds off. <laughs> and she said, oh, well, you know, it's, it's a podcast. Like, they probably like slowed it down or like tweaked it or, you know, something to make it fit what they were looking for. She's like, but no, it's, it's absolutely definitely him. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it is too. And, you know, she's my mother-in-law. She's a very wise, you know, older woman. I'm like, of course she knows, like, you know, she's bolstered me in my <laughs> my certainty that this person on the intro is, is in fact, uh, my grandfather. But then I kept listening and I kept listening. And finally, one day I was like, you know what? I really just don't know. I think it might, I think it is. I still am pretty sure it is, but I'm just can't quite tell. So I posted in the group <laughs> and, <said, "Hey." laughs> and I kind of did it. I tried, to, I, I tried to do it somewhat discreetly. I didn't say like, Hey, I'm R.C. Sproul's granddaughter, and I can't tell if this is him or not. Right. I remember it was very timid. <laughs> I said, "Hey, um, you know this part in the in the um, 
in the intro, you know, the great problem with the evangelical church where the scripture is concerned, I said, um, <laughs> is that, that's our school, right? Like, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> you sounded just like the clip too. That's I know. Funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I was like, that's our school, right? And then like, 10 people commented and were like, oh, of course. Like, yeah, who else would it be? Of course it's RC. Like, obviously. And then Colleen comes in. It's like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. It's James Montgomery Boyce. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, he was in he was in um, the same kind of area. You know, he's a pastor in Pennsylvania. So right. maybe that. <laughs> well, that's what my, my mother-in-law actually said. Well, maybe it's John Gerstner because John Gerstner and RC sound, you know, quite a bit alike. And so that's, yeah, same kind of thing. Same, somewhat same age. And yeah, but I got a huge, and then, and then a lot of people, it was not just me. I was very, very thankful. Right. No, I, yeah, I was cool. glad for you about that. There was lots <laughs> a, lot of of, a lot of other people were like, no, yeah, it's RC. Of course it's RC. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, maybe there are people listening now that, you know, aren't in the group for whatever reason. And Right. Know, now they've just had their bubble burst. So they sure have. I'm sure of that. I'm sure of that. Yeah, and and a lot of people don't know James Montgomery Boyce now because he died in 2000. In 2000, yeah. Uh, but he was a very popular teacher when I became Reformed. Mm-hmm. Talk about celebrity pastors. I used to go to the Philadelphia Conference on Reformed Theology, which is still around. But that was kind of James Montgomery Boyce's conference. In fact, I saw your grandfather speak at it once, I think. But I might be wrong on that. I'd have to go back and look. But I, in 1994, I was like kind of on my way into Reformed theology and went to my first one. And so he's, I learned a lot from him. So that's why he's, he's in there. Well, let's wrap up just by talking a little bit about how can we benefit from these pastors without falling into unhealthy attitudes? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, going back a little bit to what I said earlier, um, just, you know, be, do your best to be a Berean and recognize, you know, this, any, any type of area where you're trying to improve or trying to make sure you're doing better is really going to require being honest with yourself. Um, so if you can say, okay, this is my temptation. These are, these are teachings or, you know, thoughts or areas that I lean towards because, of a a problem in my life or a sin in my life, then you, if you can be honest with yourself about that, that will really help you know, okay, I really shouldn't be listening to this person because, you know, maybe they aren't even bad per se or, you know, heretical, but they're just not, it's making this area of my life worse. And that's not what I need right now. Um, So just being, you know, being able to be honest with yourself. And if you can't do that, um, then like I said, just really try to find other people that you can bounce off and if you don't have people locally, you know, I know a great Facebook group you can ask. <laughs> I, see, <laughs> I feel like I see um, very often in Yellow Street people say, oh, is this person solid or is that person solid? And usually the answers are are, are quite good and, um, you know, gracious. And it's good to, to have other people that can help you see. But again, also be careful. You know, you don't want to be, like I said, you don't want to be, oh, well, this person's, you know, oh, this is one you want. This is a pet peeve of mine, though. Um, People, and I'm not talking about the recent thing with um, Francis Chan. I honestly don't know enough about Francis Chan to say anything about that. But in general, I would say sharing a, a platform with someone at a conference is not enough to damn someone, <laughs> not enough to, right. to write them off completely. You often have no control over that. And I, I say that as someone who you know spent a lot of time behind the scenes with that sort of thing. Um, you sometimes don't know who else is going to be there until you get there. Um, and obviously you should, you should, the, the speaker themselves should do due diligence in that area. But, um, sometimes speakers do agree to go to events that are maybe a little to their left or a little to their right. Um, because they do think they can give a good gospel message to that place. And, you know, there's things that are obviously well beyond the pale of association and friendship and, you know, linking arms with people that, you have no business linking arms with. Um, mm. But uh, in general, you know, I'd say that that is one of my least favorite reasons that people write other people off is, uh, well, they spoke at this conference and so did this other person. <laughs> so, right. Um, but anyway, yeah. So 
No, just just um, be honest with yourself. Um, recognize what your tendency is, whether that's to be overly critical or whether it's to be overly accepting. Um, and, you know, please do remember, like, like I said, it, this is a tremendous gift that we do have so many solid teachers um, with vast libraries of, of things for us to pull from. Um, and I'm not saying don't take advantage of that. Please, please do. Um, please let it benefit your Christian life, but also, you know, value your local church, value your local pastor. He, I'm sure he has problems. Every, every pastor has problems. Um, and, you know, and, and I'm saying that to someone who is in a, a biblical church. <laughs> um, yeah. If, if you're not in a biblical church, that's, that's a different conversation. But um, if you are in a biblical church and you just don't adore your pastor's preaching style, that's fine. Um, but do your best to, to figure out why that is and um, see how you can glean from it and still um, respect him anyway. Absolutely. I agree so much, especially um, about, you know, really looking first to your local pastor. Yeah. Like you said, assuming you're in a healthy biblical church. Um, I, I'm just thinking about my own church and how much I have um, been very blessed by my pastor and his family. And, um, you know, I, I think this is a big change for me, actually. I, you know, I kind of grew up in that independent Baptist world and I'm Presbyterian now. And it was sort of a mental shift, actually, that I'm not really the church all by myself. And I just go kind of uh, pick and choose all the teaching that I want and make myself a buffet and it's all up to me. No, Mm -hmm. I'm part of a covenant community and um, the church has some real authority and I'm submitting to that. And that involves submitting to actual real human being leaders that are there in my local body. And part of showing respect for that is to, you know, okay, I have a theological question. Go ask my pastor first. Don't, Mm -hmm. you know, consider thinking about, you know, you have a theological question, maybe hold off on that Google search and ask your pastor, you know, and see if he has some resources to point you to that he believes are solid. Absolutely. Um, And that, and that was a huge thing. You know, my grandfather would say that he'd say, I never want to usurp the local church. mm -hmm. It is nice if, you know, you know, local pastors of local churches are often very overwhelmed and very busy. And, you know, maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe they do have someone that comes up to them and says, Hey, you know, what is the difference between presuppositional and classical apologetics? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and your yeah. pastor may not have time to sit down with you and go over with, with you for six hours, but he says, oh, hey, here's a six-hour video series that you might find helpful. <laughs> exactly. And I think most local pastors actually appreciate having those kind of resources available. To yes. Recommend. Well, I think, I think this was so, so much fun, actually, first of all to talk to you, Darby, and and also just informative. I think it's helpful to hear from somebody who has kind of been right in the middle of of uh, the kind of the celebrity pastor. I mean, your grandfather, I think, is probably one of the most well-known reformed pastors out there right now, and even though he's with the Lord now. And, and also, I mean, Ligonier, just how big it is, how often we're sharing things in the group from Ligonier and all of the different resources mm-hmm. out there. In fact, I, I don't know that I've told you this, um, but my husband became a Christian. He went to Willow Creek. It's a big mega church in Chicago. And your grandfather came to speak there. And this was probably in the early 90s. And my husband loved him so much, he got a bunch of the books from the book table and subscribed to table talk. And that was kind of the beginning of him becoming reformed. Oh, wow. I, I love hearing that. That's great. So, and we, and when we first got married, we had our lit for our little kind of um, devotions that we do to, together. We do the, the table talk every day um, for a few years. So uh, he had an influence in, in our lives, in our lives also. So, well, I do want to tell, all of our listeners, well, the girls, because we do have some some guys that listen. If you're not a member of Darby's Dresses, um, I'm going to link in the episode notes um, both Darby's Dresses, which is a second hand, and then the um, boutique. And then she also has a website, so we'll link all of those in the episode notes if you're if you're interested in that. And um, 
We just appreciate- I, will, I will say too, I, I'm sure as, as I am that many of your listeners are on a budget. So please don't hear boutique and think um, it's going to cost me an arm and a leg because it won't. Um, right. <laughs> you have amazing prices, even like for those new boutique items, yes, I do amazing my prices. Keep it reasonable and not pay more, not charge more than I, what I would want to pay. So, <laughs> right. Not like I would, there's a lot of like, these clothing boutiques in the mountains when we go to the when we go to the mountains and go in the mountain stores and you see this dress that you like and it's like seventy eight dollars it's not it's not that no. I mean actually it it looks like the stuff that you would find in those boutiques but just for really um, affordable prices so um, and um, if anyone wants to come check it out like Colleen said the the links will all be in the notes and if you say um, use code theology fifteen you will get fifteen percent off your order. Yes, I for, I'm glad you said that. That is such an amazing, um, amazing discount, Darby. Thank you so much for that. And we'll put that in the episode notes also. And well, how long you, will that if you, be? If you long? listen to Theology Gals, then you're the kind of person I want, I want to be friends with. So <laughs> come, on, come on and join us. What, how long will that discount be good for? Um, I just set it up and I didn't, I didn't put an end on it. Um, okay. I don't know. I, I can't. So, um, but right now, well, go, go right away. So, yes. <laughs> and one thing, and just to let everybody know, Darby does, um, she posts new stuff every week and, but she also has, um, an area where you can see stuff that's ready that you can just get right, right then. Well, thank you so much, Darby, for coming on. We really enjoyed it. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs>